Cool. Well, it's really great to be back um, with all of you. I've been away for three Sundays, uh, two in Cambodia and one in Singapore. And so um, I'm going to feed back a little bit uh, as we do this morning. But what we're going to do is uh, we're going to sit on these nice white chairs, are we? Cool. Thank you, sir. And we're going to just talk a little bit about... Um, thank you. You can if you want. Please. We're just going to chat a little bit about um, some of our vision of values, and uh, I want to also just, um, we don't need this. Do you want to take it all the way across? <laughs> that would be nice. We can do like a whole circle. Thanks, my darling. <laughs> yeah. Nations of the world. So, should you have your own mic? Yes. We're going to do a bit of a tag preach. Oh, sorry, I got my back. It's a bit of a swiveling chair. So, uh, sorry, guys. Here we go. Oh. I don't know how this thing works. There's always, there's always a comedy element. I'll, I'll put my leg down. There we go. So I'm playing the straight guy today, and she's playing the, the other one. Right? Okay, so if you've been in the church for a while... You will, it's actually, you're right, it's very hard to get. <laughs> I think it's a bit, you see, we, we're shorties, you see, I think these are for tall people. Got to like pull that down, sit. I see, I see why Michael Hunter gave this to us, because they're completely useless. There you go. Okay, this, we should have done this before, but anyway, there we there go. There you are. All right. <laughs> anyway. Sit on it. Thank you. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Good man. Thank you. Kubis. I, I like being taller, though. She likes to be a little bit higher than me, anyway. Thank you, Kubis. Thank you. There is some brains in the house. This is really good. So in terms of um, what we have as a, a mission statement for our church, it's a very simple thing. We, we, we're trying to bring the gospel, which sounds, which sounds like... The obvious thing to say, but um, unfortunately, that's not true anymore in terms of the world. There are many churches that are preaching, and they're not preaching the gospel. They're preaching other things. They're preaching opinions, and I don't say that in an arrogant way, but we really are trying to keep it simple and just preach the good news of Jesus, all right, and who He is, what He's done for us, and how that buys freedom for us in so many areas of our lives, all right? And so our mission statement is very simple. It's this, rooted in Christ, planted in family, and fruitful in life, all right? So I just want to talk a little bit about what it means to be rooted in Christ. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus is the king of the universe who loved us before we even thought about him, before anything was thought of in the universe. God's heart was already towards us, and he so loved us that he sent his son that whoever believes in, by him in faith will not die, but have everlasting life. All right? And that's the message that we proclaim. That's the good news of Jesus. And that really has so many implications. It's not just about getting saved. It's not just about the ABC of what it means to be a Christian, that you put your faith in Jesus and you believe in him and you go to heaven 
and you live out your life on this earth, hopefully in a fruitful way. The gospel really transforms everything about who you are. If you will let it take root in your heart, it will transform the way that you view life, you view other people, you view other races of people, you view your finances, how you parent your children, what you want to do with your job. It transforms everything about you and who you are if you will truly let the gospel be rooted in you. And if it is rooted in you, you begin to live differently and it affects everything about how you view yourself and the world and other people. And that's what we are trying to do uh, as we preach week upon week that everything we do is rooting you in who Jesus is. And uh, Tim Keller has this wonderful phrase. He says, the gospel is not just the ABC of your life. The gospel is the A to Z of your life because he's American. A to Z. It is, it is the whole of your life. And if you'll let it touch you and transform you and impact your life. And so that's what we are faithfully trying to do each week is to preach the good news, to unpack the scripture, to help you understand what God is for your life and what he wants you to do with your life and live that out in a way that affects your friends and your family and those that you love at work and uh, your colleagues and everything. All right. So that's the first little element, rooted in Christ. Planted in family? You're doing that one. Here we go. Um, so, um, so our tagline is uh, rooted in Christ, as Ant has so wonderfully explained, and then planted in this wonderful church family because uh, we have when we planted this church so many years ago we felt God give us this word that God puts the lonely in family uh, isn't that wonderful how many of you um, have in your in your life had times when you felt alone where you felt you just needed somewhere to connect in and when we've gone through some of the hardest times in our lives it's honestly it's because we've been part of this particular church family and other churches that we've been part of in our lives have really been the kind of healing balm and the way that we've been carried and sustained. Um, I think in about 2014, our son Matt had a, a brain tumor, which was a very devastating time for us as a family. But it was this church family that really carried us through that time. And so we really want to see people find connection and find a sense of family. And, and I know there's different models of churches. Some churches can be very formal, some can be quite hierarchical. But what we really value at Forest Town is that we are a family. And we, we hope that that is a, a kind of a sense that you get when you come to this church, that we're not just trying to do church and come on a Sunday and then you leave, but actually that you are part of something bigger, of a community where you can belong. And um, I think that with relationships, with family, it really takes effort, doesn't it? You've got to, you've got to make an effort to make friends. Um, I've, I find this, it takes time. If, if you're new, new in the church, you might have had very deep friendships elsewhere and you're kind of thinking, I don't have any friends yet. Well, it takes time, and the more that you do together and you hang out together, you'll see those friendships will begin to deepen. And um, I'm sure if we asked each other or people to share their stories, I'm sure you would all say that um, 
within time, if you open your heart, uh, you will find that people will open their hearts to you as well. Um, and I also want to say maybe you've been hurt before in church. And unfortunately, church can, although it's God's wonderful vehicle of grace to all of us, it's full of imperfect people. And we're all imperfect here as well. There's no perfect church but if you've experienced hurt in church, that can often make you very closed and unsure about whether feeling safe again. So I really hope that in this church you will find this to be a safe place where you can open your heart and let people know you, that somewhere in the church you can be known and you can know others. So that's what we value in being planted in a family. And then the third aspect about being fruitful is really about allowing the gospel to transform you so that you can then help others to see who Jesus is. And so we want, we want the church to be fruitful. We want our lives to count for Jesus. We want much fruit to come out of our lives. And uh, one of the things that has really been powerful in my life is John 17. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And that's a very simple illustration that, that Jesus gives and says, he is the vine, we are the branches, and as we abide in him, there's much fruit that comes out of our lives. And so personally, I want to see fruit out of my life. I hope that you want to see fruit out of your life. And what is the fruit that we're looking for? The fruit that we're looking for is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all those kind of things. It does include churches growing. It does include um, church is being planted, of course it does, but primarily it's about the fruit of the Spirit that we want to see in our lives lived out so that it points other people to Jesus. Isn't that right? I think sometimes in church communities, when you talk about fruit it, and all the, the alpha males in the church go, yes, we're going to build, we're going to do all this stuff, we're going to plant other churches and the kingdom is going to come through us. Sorry, but that's just... That's how it is in church sometimes, isn't it? All the, all the kind of, the men that should be businessmen lead churches and want to make empires for themselves. It ain't about that. It's about loving people and helping them to see Jesus in their lives. All right? So we do want the church to grow. We do want, we want to see all those things. We would love to plant other churches, but above all, we want to see you have fruit in your life and be transformed, and the grace of God be evidenced truly. Sorry, did I shock you a little bit there? Okay, I have these moments, particularly when I'm tired. But anyway, it's good. Here we go. I would also add, which is really wonderful, is that I'm sure the Lord wants us to be fruitful in this community and how we use our gifts here. But whatever sphere God has placed you in, um, whether that is as a, a business person or in the medical field or in schools or maybe you've got your own business or in your friendships, I really believe God has gifted you so wonderfully. And um, sometimes I've seen in the past where people think, oh, if I'm not called to lead in the church, that's a lesser calling. Not at all. 
your calling is to do what God has gifted you to do in the sphere he's given you to, to operate in. And you must do that with all your heart and all your passion. And that's what it means to be fruitful. So, so use the gifts, and whatever that calling looks like. It's different for all of us. And Annie's a wonderful dentist. That's her calling. <laughs> I could never do that. But do the thing that God has put in your heart, and you'll feel his pleasure. And that's what it means to be fruitful. Okay, so how, how do we live out the gospel? How, how do we start to do that? Well, you'll hear there's a couple of phrases we use a lot in the church. The first is that we walk by the Spirit. We, we want to walk by the voice of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It, it means that, for me, understanding as a Christian that you're free from rules is actually the most powerful, powerful thing in your life. Because often I've seen, I've led in church for over 30 years, and I've seen all sorts of churches, very reformed churches that are very, are very legalistic. And on the other extreme, you have very Pentecostal churches that are also very legalistic. And it's all about how you dress and what you do and honoring leadership and uh, all these kind of things which are not in themselves bad, but they become rules by which people live their lives. Has anyone been in a church like that? Yes. We all have, and what I'm saying to you and what the gospel says to you is that by the power of the blood of Jesus, he has fulfilled all the rules, and we no longer are under the rules. We are under the law of love. We are under grace. Come on, that should encourage you, all right? We are under the grace of God that transforms us, and I have to stand up, I can't sit down, um, that transforms us, and we are no longer the, uh, those that live under the law, we live under the law of love, which enables us to love people and think the best of people and forgive people, and that's how we live. We live by grace. We don't live by rules. You will do this. You will pray. You will tithe. You will worship. You will come to the meetings. No, when you're on the inside of you, you are in love with Jesus. You want to come to the meeting. You want to love other people. You want to give. You want to pray because Jesus is in your heart and you can't help but he gets out. No? Yes. That's what it means to live from the inside out. We don't want to be externally saying to people, do this, do this, do this. No, we want the voice of the Spirit on the inside to say, this is the way, walk in it. And to walk and enjoy our lives and to enjoy Jesus and to enjoy and have fun with each other. Not because we're compelled to, but because we love to. Because the voice of the Spirit is guiding us. Amen. So we want to walk by the Spirit. We also want to honor the Word. We love the Word of God and we want to preach faithfully. Let the, the, the Word of God transform us. And at the same time, we want to honor the Holy Spirit. Um, if we just preach the Word and there's no room for the Holy Spirit to move and there's no ministry and there's no prayer and there's no just lingering in the presence of God, it can be awfully dry. Isn't that right? And if it's just the Holy Spirit, it's like a river without boundaries and the water just goes... There needs to be both. One bank is the Word of God. The other bank of the river is the Holy Spirit. And between those two, we find great, great liberty and joy and freedom as the Spirit minister to, ministers to us and as the Word builds us up. Both the Word and the Spirit. Yes? Lastly, worship, well, not lastly, but thirdly, worship. We want to give time to just worshiping God and loving Him every time we get together. And that's why there's a priority for us in terms of worship and letting God use us uh, with the gifts that we have just to 
let people come into his presence through the power of worship. And worship is such an amazing thing. I found in my own life that some of the things that have transformed me most are just being in God's presence. And then suddenly this pain that is taken away and this forgiveness that I can extend to people after I've been in his presence. Worship is an incredibly powerful thing when we meet with God in his presence. Amen? And that's what we want to do. We want to have times of lingering worship. And part of what we want to do on Sunday night is that we can have more times of just lingering worship. Because in the morning we have the kids program and we, there's all things that are constraints, which is fine. But in the evening we can have more time just to worship and, and to minister to each other and let God come. And so please remember that as you plan your week. Sunday nights are going to be wonderful times together. And then prayer. And prayer is just simply a way of acknowledging that we are completely dependent on God. Isn't that true? Completely dependent on Him. Uh, if you think you can do it yourself, you don't need to pray because you can do it yourself. But <laughs> the older I've got, the, the more I've realized I can't do it by myself. And so therefore, I ask God as regularly as I can, Jesus, please help me with this because ultimately, if you don't help me, we're finished. Amen? And that's what it is about. It's asking God to help you in your life as you just walk with him and realizing that day by day you're completely dependent on his mercy and his goodness. And, you know, the word says also that even the air that we breathe is a gift from him. Isn't that a wonderful thought? The air that we breathe that enables us to live is a gift from God. And we should be thankful and ask him day upon day that he helps us. And then lastly... Um, the other thing I want to just mention is our partnership with other people. We, we have a number of ways that we um, try and support other people. So we have people in the church, for example, that um, are working for other charities, that we believe in these people, and we want to support them. And so Naomi works for UCCF. Um, there's some guys that work for Young Life. Uh, we support those individuals in the ministries that they are doing so that they can be fruitful in the ministry. So we call those kind of people, we call those friendships. That we have friends, and it doesn't mean that the sphere that they're working is exactly the same as the sphere that we're working in, but we recognize the fruitfulness of what God is doing in their lives, and we want to bless them and help them. So we support them financially, we pray for them. Those are our friends. And then we have partners in the gospel, where we are, have a much more rooted kind of connection in terms of vision. So, for example, with Activate Network, where we do work with them in Europe and um, Eastern Europe in particular, it's around church planting and preaching the gospel. And it's a very primary kind of connection that we have. We are building a friendship with Soul Survivor in terms of their, fa their family of churches, which is the same kind of idea. We're around preaching the gospel, planting churches, and seeing the kingdom come. And so we call those partnerships. So we have gospel partnerships, which are aligned in terms of vision and in terms of what we're trying to do. And then we have gospel friendships or friendships in mission where we support individual people that are doing good things that we believe in. All right? So do we you understand that? Yeah? Cool. And so those are the kind of common things that you will hear us talk about over and over again. And everything that we're trying to do is to, whatever activity we have in the church, we're trying to say, how does this root people in Christ? How does this plant them in family? How does this enable them to be fruitful in their lives? And so that's really the lens through which we try and see 
everything. Very good. Can I sit down now? Thank you. Thank you. Um, so that, that really just unpacks some of our things that we really feel are important truths that we hold to um, as a church family. Um, but what I'd like to chat with you now about is our culture in the church. I'm sure whenever you go into a church or into a, um, maybe into a work situation or school or wherever you go, you get the feel. It's an intangible. It's the sense of how people are when they are together. That's the culture. And culture is something you have to be really intentional about. Because if you don't aim at some very specific things, then other things will start to dictate what the culture is. And so as a, as a church and as a leadership team, we've over the years um, looked at different things that we really value. Um, and these values are what we have intentionally aimed at to shape the culture of Forest Town Church. So I just want to unpack some of those, and then we're going to end with a little time. If you can listen to the things that I share, and then maybe think about which one of those really, really speaks to you right now, or something, maybe it's an area you're feeling God is stretching you into, to move more into that value, or maybe it's something that's really spoken to you, and then we're going to just share that with each other for a moment. So, so listen attentively, thinking about which of these really speaks to you. Um, so some of these things we've come up out with because we haven't always got it right and sometimes we've got things wrong and out of that you sometimes learn oh we better value that we didn't get that very very well done so so these are some of the things that we really hold to so the first one is unity and there's a beautiful verse in the psalms which says where there is unity god commands a blessing isn't that amazing? Don't you? When there's something, if you've been part of a team uh, where there's not unity and it's scratchy and it's a little bit like, Argh. have you, anyone ever had that experience? It's not very pleasant. And it's really hard for there to be blessing and anointing flowing there. So unity is where there's just such a sense of people teaming well together. And it really comes when we choose to believe the best of each other. Um, and we, uh, I think when we choose to speak well of each other, especially when that person is not there. One of the things that maybe I can just say this, and we say it every time we do a, a grounded course, we say at Forest Town Church, we have zero tolerance for gossip. Zero tolerance for gossip. When you see someone talking, you can be so safe and sure they're not talking about you in a negative way. And if they are talking about you, that they're actually saying some amazing things about you. And if someone does come to you and start saying, oh, have you heard about Wayne? Oh. Then you say, no, I haven't, but maybe you should go tell Wayne what you're thinking. Because <laughs> that's what the Bible says. It says, go to the person if you have a problem with them and work it out with that person. So that's how we, that's how we build unity. We believe the best of each other. We speak well of each other. And we, we, can, we can also talk about our differences. That doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. We can talk about our differences, but without accusation and in a mature manner. So we love that we can be one, and we ask that all of us work hard to promote a culture of unity in this church. It's all of us own that as a value. You can do the next one. Thank you. I'll do the next one. All right. 
And then uh, we want to talk about forgiveness. Now, I, I asked to do this because uh, I read something recently that really struck me again. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, forgiveness is a wonderful idea until there's someone you have to forgive. Isn't that true? Forgiveness is a wonderful idea until there's someone to forgive. So uh, if you're in this church for longer than six months, you'll soon have to forgive me for something that I said or didn't say. Um, and I, I found this is one of the most powerful things in our lives as Christians is really letting people off the hook. Uh, my friend Archie Kendall, that's what he said. He said, uh, uh, forgiveness is letting the other person off the hook. They've legitimately done something that has hurt you. But you let them off the hook. You say, no, I forgive you. And you give them a second chance. And for me, this is part of the most powerful, powerful living out of the gospel that we can demonstrate to each other is that we genuinely learn to forgive each other quickly and without any strings attached. Yep, I forgive you. Helen has learned to do that many times for me. All right? We've been married 31 years. A lot of opportunity to hurt someone in a marriage, eh? 31 years. How many of you have been married for one year? Know that there's lots of opportunities in marriage to hurt each other. Yes? But there's also many, many opportunities to learn to forgive and to say, yeah, I, I forgive you. And let's let each other off the hook and continue. And so we want to, we want to learn to live that out uh, as, a, as, a, as a church community, that we genuinely are those that forgive each other. And uh, God blesses us amazingly when we do that. All right. We always uh, like using the thing I'm sure you've heard before. It's uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. So that actually sometimes you forgive because it's good for you to let that thing go. So maybe maybe some of you, maybe there's someone you need to forgive that God's putting his finger on right now. And just to release that so you can be more free. So I'll do the next one. So the next thing that we're aiming at, so we want to have this place as a place of unity. We really want to value forgiving and holding a short account with each other. Just, uh, can I just say this as well with unforgiveness? Just sulking is a no-go, really. Just, if you sulk in your home, just stop it. It's just the most, you just invite the demons into your house when you sulk. Short account, forgive quickly, say sorry. I don't mean about being trite and just going, oh, sorry. I mean genuine sorry. But actually, when you hold out on each other, it just brings a mood into your home. Just stop that, okay? I'm just saying it as a loving friend, <laughs> if that's what you do. Just let's bring God's freedom into our homes and, and let's, be, be, um, let's not manipulate each other to change. Let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do to change the other person. But servant-heartedness is, I'm not usually that strong, so I hope that wasn't too, it was a bit of a rebuke of, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes, you I'm not usually <laughs> that blunt. Okay, well, anyway, I, maybe, maybe the Lord you. wanted me to say that. Right, so um, servant-heartedness is um, just something that we really value. You know, we were looking this week, uh, we had to do a report for something, and they wanted to know how many people in our church volunteer. 
and we just added up all the names of people that are serving. We had 260 names of people that are serving in this church in some way. I think that is uh, something worth sharing. It is really wonderful. Do you know, um, I think we, we, we close on 500 people in this church, and that's including children, but the, it's just so amazing to me. Usually in churches, there's this 80-20 principle where you have 20% of the people running around serving 80%. Well, it's, it's so wonderful to say thank you to all of you for the ways that you serve um, and just help to make this church work and run. Um, but Jesus was our wonderful example in this, wasn't he? It said he laid aside, he didn't account equality with God, something to be grasped, it says in Philippians 2, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, and he humbled himself even to the point of death. And then Paul goes on to say, you too be like-minded. We, we don't walk around strutting around saying, I'm, I'm too important, we say. What can I do to, to help? So if you see a piece of litter um, outside, who's going to pick it up? Why haven't they picked it up? Well, well, you can pick it up, or I can pick it up. Or if the, there's sometimes the little boys wee all over the seat in the toilet, who's going to wipe up this wee? I'll wipe up the we, you know. That's what it is to be in a family. Um, it's just being family together, everyone getting stuck in and making it home. That's what it means to be home, isn't it? It's to be a family. So unity, forgiveness, servant-heartedness. And then one of the other things we really value is authenticity. And that just means that to be real, that you're the same person on Sunday as you are during the week. All right, that there's not like a really spiritual sort of person that walks in on Sunday. How are you, my son? I'm fine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be here? Yes, hallelujah. It's good to be here. And then when you get home, it's like you're shouting at your wife and you're shouting at your kids and you're just like a completely different person. What is that? It's called hypocrisy. It's the opposite of authenticity. And Jesus said we, we are to be true to him in how we live. And so part of that means the same person that walks through that door on a Sunday is the same person that I can find at Four Hyde Court during the week. That's where I live. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I mean. The same person is here on a Sunday that is in the classroom and at the university and at in the business hall or whatever it is, that we learn to be authentic to who we are as the Spirit transforms us, that we are authentic people. Amen? And isn't that, so, for me, it just makes it so relaxed because uh, I don't have to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. Uh, how exhausting to walk around and pretend you're something that you're not. <laughs> uh, and you can just relax and be yourself. And whoever you are, we love you, all right? And we want you to find a place here in this family and that you're true to yourself and that you live that out in a way that blesses other people. All right. I keep standing up. I'll sit down. Okay. There we go. Um, and then our next value is honor and respect. Um, I think honor is something that you choose to give another person because they are God's child. You choose to give someone honor and it's it's a it's a bit like the things that we've spoken about already but it's it's about honoring someone's reputation as if it was your own isn't that an amazing thing to think about 
Uh, like for us, when, when we look at all of you, we want to we, we want to defend you guys. We want you to feel like, ah, oh, these guys have got my back. <laughs> so honoring is really to say, uh, uh, we see your value, we see your worth, and we, we, we feel that you are important and you're special, and we treat one another with respect. And one of the things I love about this church is it is such a diverse church. There's so many people from different backgrounds and life experience and cultures. It's just a wonderful thing that God has brought so many different people together. Um, but I, I do want to say is that we can also learn to appreciate and cherish each other's cultures. And, to, and you do that by intentionally finding out what is it for another person, how they experience this. Because... Maybe we just think that this is normal, but maybe actually asking other people and say, actually, how did you find that? Was that good for you in terms of your your culture and how you see things? Um, I can't think of an exact example right now, but let's be mindful of making everyone feel included. Let's honor different cultures as well as different people as well. All right, we nearly finished, and then I'm going to just talk briefly about um, Cambodia, and uh, we've got a little video for you as well. One of the other things we, we want to see as a value of our church is generosity, and um, whenever I look back on my life, I, I have to say that God has been incredibly generous to me. Um, you know, the Word says, like I prayed earlier, that He promises us that He'd give us our daily bread, and I, I've never lacked for anything in my life. Uh, I'm not wealthy in the sense of having millions of pounds, but I am wealthy in many other ways, and God has blessed me in such incredible ways in my life. And uh, part of His generosity in my life makes me want to be generous to other people, generous in my friendship, generous in what gifts I have that I can give them away, generous in my prayer life, generous in my in my um, finances, in my giving, using my talents. Yes. And I want to encourage you with that, that once, for me, that's the, one of the wonderful fruits of understanding the grace of God. If you come into the kingdom and you think you actually, you know, God is so lucky to have me, man, I'm a good guy. I'm just like, man, you know, in terms of gifting, I'm like, I'm just, you know, there's Jesus and the apostles. And then, I mean, I'm kind of like just under there. Uh, I mean, people, God, you are so lucky to have me. In your kingdom, you know, if you, if that's if that's how we come to the kingdom, it's like it doesn't it doesn't invoke ge- uh, generosity in our lives because we think we actually have the goods and we we don't, you know. But when you come into the kingdom, it's like, God, I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel. There was a song that when I was uh, at university, uh, I'm a criminal under my own hat. All of us are criminals. All of us are dirty, rotten scoundrels that have been saved by the grace of God. Come on. And when you come into the kingdom like that, you just say, Jesus, you've been so good to me, and now I want to be good to other people. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you've forgiven me all that stuff that I did in stupidity. And when I was dead in my sin, you forgave me. And I am preaching, but that's okay. You forgave me all of that stuff, and I want to give it away. I want to be a blessing to other people. Yeah, that's what it's about. That's what, that's what being generous is. If we think that we kind of, you know... 
so good that people deserve us. It's, it's like, it's the wrong way around. No, Jesus has been so good to us and let his generosity transform our hearts so we can be good to each other. Amen? All right. And last Amen. one, courage. What is courage? Courage. Yes, let's have some courage. Uh, I, I think in, in our church, we really want to be a church in our culture that celebrates courage. And I think courage is so different for different people. Um, for some people, I want to say, well done for your courage to come to church today. Uh, some of you might be feeling quite depressed. Maybe some of you felt like this is a bit of a scary challenge. Well, well done, even that you came through the door. <laughs> That's an act of courage. Maybe for some of you, courage is picking up the phone call, picking up the phone and actually giving a call to someone that you've fallen out with or you just need to reestablish a relationship. Maybe courage is coming up on a Sunday and bringing a prophetic encouragement to the church. Maybe it's saying, God, I'm going to start saving some money so I can go to Cambodia next year. I don't know what it is for you. Um, or maybe it's that you, you need to have a conversation with your boss. Whatever it might be, we want to celebrate and champion courage. Because um, it always takes, and you know what God said to Joshua when he had to take over from Moses? He said, be strong and courageous. And he said it to him over and over, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. And so we want to champion each other no matter what we do. When you hear God speak, stepping out in obedience and doing what he says is something that shows great courage. And we, we have a God who has done mighty exploits. He's able to do amazingly more above all we could ask or imagine. And so we don't do things alone. You are not alone. You have your heavenly Father with you. Okay, so I'm going to read those different things again, and we're going to just take a couple of minutes, and then Anne's going to share some things. But just Share with the person next to you or behind you if there's no one next to you, which of those really challenges you or inspires you right now. So there's unity, how we promote unity together, forgiveness, keeping a short account, no sulking, servant-heartedness, just coming and laying down your life to see others encouraged and built up, authenticity, being real. Um, and also just want to add there that actually being authentic is also about actually letting people know when you're struggling. Um, you know, we, we've, we've had times when we've struggled, and it's actually being able to say that that has really been um, such a wonderful way that we've found support. Um, Honour and respect, um, generosity, as Anne put it so wonderfully, and courage. Okay, so take two minutes. Um, and let's see, just share with someone next to you which of those really speaks to you. Okay, I'm going to do a little thing where I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask very quickly, Wayne, what was the one that you chose? Me, no sulking. No sulking, okay, that was your takeaway. Good, I love that. Uh, let me see, Mark, what was your takeaway? No sulking. Woo! The Lord obviously had a thing that he was saying there. No, sul Nicolene, no sulking. No sulking. Come on. Courage. Courage. 
courage. Good, Nix. And you are a courageous lady. All right. Julie, what was yours? Courage. Courage. Wonderful. What, what was yours? Uh, unity. Unity. Okay. Wonderful. And Matt, what was yours? Authenticity and forgiveness. Wonderful. Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. And we're going to choose just one last person, Sam, just because you're all on your own. <laughs> I see you, Sam. Servant-heartedness. You, you are wonderfully servant-hearted, Sam. I love that about you. And let's Everyone's looking nervous now, looking down to the floor. Stephen. Uh, generosity. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks, Stephen. Don't come near me with that microphone. Okay, you guys are spared. So we, right. we just, uh, yeah, let's... It's just so wonderful. Let's aim at these things, guys. Let's, um, let's not just think that they happen incidentally. It's as we are all intentional about these wonderful values that we see them come and make that forest town what it is. So I'm going to invite you. So after the meeting, if uh, we're going to have our tea and coffee um, after and shared a bit more. Um, and then we're going to go upstairs to the fuse room upstairs. If you'd like to come along to the ground, you get a lovely book with all of this in there for you that you can take home. Um, so, yeah, do come along and we'll cool. hand over to you. Actually. Thank you. So just to finish off, I just want to give a little bit of feedback about Cambodia and Singapore. And if the musicians can get ready, we're going to just finish with one song. Um, and then we're going to pray for you as well. And if you need ministry and prayer, please uh, make use of that opportunity. But uh, I just want to say this. Whenever I go to Cambodia, whenever I go to Singapore, whenever I go to another place, I really feel like it grounds me in a different way than from just living in Europe. Um, and what I mean by that will become clear. Do you know at this point in time, the total world population is approximately 8 billion people, right? 8 billion people. That is a lot of people. Do you want to guess how many people live in Europe? Roughly. 375 million live in Europe. In North America, approximately 650 million. In South America, approximately 450 million. 1.2 billion in North and South America. There are 1.2 billion people in Africa alone. Right? That's 60% of the world's population live in China, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Southeast Asia. 60% of the world's population live in those nations. And it always astounds me when I go that I think here in Europe we like, you know, we have the enlightenment and our worldview. And our worldview deserves to be the worldview of the whole world. Yes? One-eighth of the world lives in North and South America and, 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 and in Europe. The other seven-eighths of the world lives in other places where they have completely a different view of life and what is valuable. Yes? It grounds me when I go away because I come back and think, Jesus, thank you for the, your blessings in my life. And so much of the world doesn't even under, have the basic, basic blessings that I have in my life. 60% of the world lives completely differently. I've said this many times. If you can change your clothes each day, 
You are in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. It is. If you can close to your, change your clothes each day, top 5% of the wealthiest people in the entire world. Doesn't that stun you? And yet we get into this like little bubble where we kind of, we just want more of everything and bigger of everything. And yet, I want to say when you see some of the things in Cambodia, I want to encourage you. We did a little video blog each day. If you haven't had a look at those on Instagram or YouTube, go and have a look and see. Cambodia has changed a lot in the last eight years. The Chinese have been pouring in money. There's lots of high rises. There's lots of bridges being built. There's a kind of economic capital, um, uh, colonization that is happening all, all over the world where people are putting in money and buying countries. It's all like that in Africa. It's like that in Asia. But my point is this. So the people that we minister to, to under the trees, they are how the vast majority of people in the world live. Just wanting three meals a day. Just wanting a change of clothes. Just wanting hot water. This is why we go. Um, God spoke to me through Michael Eaton many years ago, and Michael said to me before he died, if you take care of the poor, God will take care of you. And that has been something that I've tried to live for the last 10 years. If I can take care in some way of the poor, in my own community, yes, but in the poor of the world, if I can give in some way myself, my life to the poor, God will continue to take care of us. Yes? And so we go to Cambodia because we want to be a blessing. We want to equip those people that are preaching the gospel there. And it's a great blessing to go. And it, it always transforms you when you go. And I want to encourage you to come. And I'm sorry I've been a bit ranty this morning. It's like um, it's a little bit jet lag still. But, but it is such an important thing to realize that the world is really very, very different from the world that we know in St. Albans. The vast majority of the world lives so differently. And let that just encourage us and motivate us to give our lives for the, the kingdom. All right? So we're going to play you a little uh, video clip now. Um, Akash, who's now in Kerala, Akash has been such a delight to us. He came with us to do these little video blogs. And the joke, the running joke, all right, the running joke of the week was a Queen song called I Want to Ride My Bicycle. Anyone know that song? All right, and there was a reason for that is because Akash is actually a very accomplished cyclist. He was cycling at a top level uh, in India before he came, and he had in his baggage a 20,000-pound bicycle, all right, in pieces, which I didn't realize was so valuable, but yes, it was, 20 grand of a bicycle in a bag. And so we kept teasing Akash about riding his bicycle, all right? And so you'll see this, this is the joke in the, in the video. But this is just a little blooper reel. If you want to have a look at some of the other stuff, um, please have a look online. And uh, we'd love to take a bigger team next year. And we'd love you to come with us to be a blessing to those people. So can we just play the video? And if the worship team could come after that. I'm not kidding, there's another, there's another hotel I went to in Hong Kong that has got a big hole in the middle. And that is to let the dragon do it. <laughs> come on, come on! Come on! Oh, he's waiting. You can practice now. <laughs> <laughs> Go 
Yes, it is very silly, I know, it's very silly, but we had a very great and wonderful time. And if you, if you want to um, find out a little bit more, please come and speak to Clive, or where's Derek? Over there, or myself, uh, we'd, lo we'd love, love to have you come with us. And um, if you want to see a little bit more of the serious things that we did, please visit the, <laughs> the Instagram posts, all right? Because we did a lot of preaching, we did a lot of praying, we did a lot of ministering to people, and it was, it was powerful and wonderful, and we'd love to take you with us next year, all right? And thank you to all of you that gave uh, to make it possible uh, that we could, we, we could have such an amazing and effective time. So let's stand, and we're going to worship God as we finish and thank Him for all that He's done in us and through us, and trust that we'll continue to be a blessing to the world, yeah? Father, I want to thank you for your goodness, and thank you, Lord, for your promise that if we abide in you and you in us, that we will bear much fruit for our lives. And we want to trust you for that, Lord, that we would see much fruit flow through us and out of our lives to touch many people. And I do pray, Lord, that we would continue to remember the poor. We'd continue to remember those in so many parts of the world that just don't have the, the, the blessings that we have and that something of the gospel would enable us to live differently, that we would be a blessing to others and the nations of the world. And so I want to thank you, Lord. And as we sing now and celebrate, I pray, Lord, that you'd seal these things in our hearts, that we would know your Holy Spirit's presence and power as we leave, and that we would live differently this week, that we really would live in a live way that points other people to you as the living Christ. And we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for today. Thank you for being with us. Amen. <laughs>